Welcome to Betrayal Trauma Recovery, BTR.org. I'm Anne. I'm sure you remember what it was like when you were searching for help, maybe for your husband, hoping to find the right program or therapist. That's why I started podcasting. I supported my husband through seven years of pornography addiction recovery, and not one therapist during that time told me I was experiencing emotional and psychological abuse and sexual coercion. I didn't want any other woman on the planet to be in the dark. If you're like the majority of my listeners, you're experiencing the type of abuse that's invisible and difficult to wrap your head around. Your husband is using porn or having affairs or lying to you, and you're getting the same bad advice about how to improve communication or your relationship. If you need support from women who totally understand, check out our daily group session schedule at btr.org group. We'd love to see you in a session today. One simple anonymous way to help spread the word is to click, follow, or subscribe to the Betrayal Trauma Recovery Podcast on your favorite podcasting app. While you're there, every five-star rating helps make this podcast more visible and will help save other women from getting the wrong kind of help, like a couple program that will make this type of abuse worse. For those of you who follow or subscribe to this podcast, thank you so much. Your support means so much to me. Anna is back on the podcast today. We're talking about a really sensitive subject with child sexual abuse and also satanic ritual abuse. If you didn't listen to last week's episode, start there first and then join us here. A trigger warning, she does talk about the abuse that she suffered as a child. It's not graphic, but she does share a specific event that occurred. This is probably one of the most emotional um, episodes that I've ever done. I edited out a lot of it, but before we start, I just want to share with you my belief in God, that I believe in God and that my Savior, Jesus Christ, has delivered me and delivered my children, and that it was a miracle. I just know it wasn't me. As I prayed and listened to the Spirit and followed what it told me to do, that Jesus Christ, my Savior, delivered me. I'm so thankful that there is a loving, caring Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother and a Savior who care about me and they care about you. And just like we cannot trust our abusers, we can trust them. Okay, now let's get to this episode. Having experienced abuse from your father and then abuse from your husband, but not recognizing that you were being abused, you're being severely abused, right? But you're not recognizing that you're being severely abused emotional, psychological abuse, sexual abuse, you're going through all of this in the overarching context of spiritual abuse, where they're pulling in things from like mainstream religion, like our faith, and they're using it to abuse you. And not only that, but taking it a step further and mimicking those things and putting them in the context of Satan, 
So I have some questions about that. In in that occult, when they are saying Satan is more powerful, talk about how you came to realize that Jesus Christ for you really is more powerful than Satan when you had been taught differently. And also when your earthly experience, no offense, kind of confirmed it, right? You're living in this abuse. You're trying to obey the commandments, but it was confirmed that Satan was more powerful because despite your obedience, right? Despite your scripture study and your prayer and everything, you're still being oppressed by abuse and not even knowing it. So in that situation, it would be easy to think, well, where is my savior here? So can you talk about that struggle to understand because your mortal experiences were filled with Satan's powerful, even overwhelming, tangible evil, how you came to your testimony of Christ? When we first moved to the new state, we lived in one place for 14 years and we had five incredible bishops. And it was mostly because the first bishop we had was Young was new, a newly created ward, and he was very dedicated. For listeners who aren't familiar with our faith, when we say the word ward, what we mean is congregation, and the congregations are made of all volunteers. We don't have any paid clergy, and the bishop is called, which means sort of assigned, for a period of three to five years, usually, sometimes seven, to manage the ward to manage the congregation and then they're released and someone else is called so just wanted to give background so people could understand what you were saying so thank you keep going that's great and they're lay people he was so unfamiliar with the abuse that i was talking about of parents sexually abusing their children and their grandchildren even it just was so foreign to him But he was willing to listen to the spirit and he did go to the temple often. And he told me, I have to fast and pray and go to the temple a lot because I just don't get this at all. But he was so supportive. And so in turn, he mentored the other four bishops when we when bishops were released and we moved into other wards in that same stake. And so we were extremely blessed in in that way. So when I when I moved to another part of the state, you know, the, it was a different story with the male clergy that were um, the bishops of our ward. And so this first bishop that I worked with, the question came up, how do I see Jesus Christ and Heavenly Father? And for the very first time, I voiced how I saw them. And I said, I see them both naked, waiting for me on the other side in heaven to have a sexual orgy with me. That, that's how I see them. And when I finally expressed that and would be very honest with my feelings, then things started to, we started to work at really understanding the true nature of Jesus Christ and of my father in heaven and who they were and started to, my bishop started to help me separate how they were really different from Satan, that they they weren't, (laughs) they weren't the same at all. And that took several years. That took years and years. And finally, as I kept working through the the different experiences that I had had, which also at times included some very sacred experiences. And when those sacred experiences 
I remembered them. It was like, oh, you know, and, and it was like, wow, you know, that's a lot different than what I had remembered. I started to understand how Jesus Christ saw me and how my Heavenly Father saw me. And it started to change my perception of how I saw them. And it finally came before, right before we moved from this area and we'd lived there for about 14 years, I could see myself with them standing with my Savior and with my Father in heaven, fully clothed, robed, and I was in a beautiful white dress. And I felt very confident standing with them, realizing that there was a horrific difference (laughs) between them and between Satan. I knew that they were both real, but still that thought in my mind always lingered there for a long time. But who is more powerful? Jesus Christ can be clothed now, and I can be clothed in front of him. But is Satan really more powerful still than Jesus Christ? And it has just been the daily scripture reading, the following the Spirit, My life has been in segments. You know, each experience was just tucked away deep inside of my soul. And finally, when I was able to get in therapy and work them through and start connecting them and saying, oh, this is why this happened. This is why this happened. I could finally see Jesus Christ woven throughout my whole life, even through the most horrific experiences of Satan. I could see that he was always there. I was always being strengthened by the Savior, but I had to acknowledge it. It's been hard. It's been hard to acknowledge that and to also hold on to that faith. I've been trying really hard at times to get rid of the fear and allow the faith in Jesus Christ to be more powerful than the fear. And that's really when I made a a big change, is when I would let go of the fear and just strive to have faith. And it's hard. Did you ever consider going a non-religious route? Like in this struggle, is Christ or Satan more powerful? Did you ever consider thinking, well, maybe this whole thing is just a bunch of hogwash there is no Jesus. There is no Satan. You know, this was, this is just a way to control and oppress people. I am out. Did you ever consider that route or was that not ever a part of your thought process? I I understand what you're saying, but as I think I've said before, I knew that they were both real. I knew from experience Mm. this was real. And I knew from experience that Satan was real. And so, no, it was never an idea of it's just all a bunch of baloney. No, one or the other had to be had to be more powerful. Well, let me share this one and it it might help because I feel like I'm talking around so much. An experience when I was four years old, I had a, a, a green Western dress that I just loved because it twirled. And my father and I were at his workplace and he worked on machinery. We were all by ourselves, secluded area. There was nobody else around. And he wanted me to perform oral sex on him. And in primary, I had learned that the Heavenly Father wanted us to do good things. And I knew that doing that to him was not a good thing. 
And so at four years old, I told him no. And I started walking for the door. And he had a cigarette lighter that he used in his work. And he started the back of my dress on fire. And I was almost to the door. I mean, it was just so close next to him. So there was no place to run. And he knew that the fire wouldn't explode because I wouldn't run anywhere. And then he had a bucket of water right next to him that he used in his work. And I started to scream and he put the fire out immediately. Well, you know, he took me in his arms and I just sobbed and sobbed. And he just then told me, he just said, do not ever tell me no again. And so that was impressive. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was like people wonder, well, why did you keep doing this stuff? Or why as an adult did you stay, you know, do things that he told you to do and stuff? Well, that was when I was four years old. There's other things that happened when I was 12 that even intensified that don't ever tell me no. Okay, stuff. And so I remember after that happened, um, you know, he told lies about how my dress got burned. And I knew he was a liar. He was my dad. But at that time, my mind was so confused. He he had started me on fire, but then he saved me. And how do you how do you rectify that in your own child's mind, you know, in your little kid's mind? And and I remember saying a prayer um, as a four-year-old after that and telling Heavenly Father, because in primary we had learned that we lived with him, you know, before we came here. And I remember telling him, you know, I, I don't want to be here anymore. I want to come home. I want to be with you. And I remember the Savior coming to me himself. And I I came to about his knees, and I can remember feeling his robe and feeling his arms down around me. And I knew that he came to let me know that I was okay, that he was there, and that I would be okay. Now, when I remembered more in detail as an adult that experience, because I tucked those experiences away because I couldn't tell anybody what my daddy had done because he would hurt me more. And how, how much more can you get hurt as a child than being, you know, on fire? And so, you know, I, I know there's a lot worse that can happen. But, you know, for me at the time, it was it was so incredibly traumatic. And so as an adult, when I was thinking about this experience and these experiences, I thought, why two things? Why did the Savior not pick me up? Why didn't he hold me? Was I not good enough for him? And, and it took me a long time and a lot of fasting and prayer and asking Heavenly Father. And I had to get into a spot where I could really understand the answer, but the answers came eventually. And the first thing was, if he had picked me up in this mortal world, he would have had to put his arm under my bottom to hold me. You know, that's just how we hold kids. And that would have caused a lot of confusion in my four-year-old mind because I was being sexually abused all the time. And so that would confuse me. And the other thing was, is if he had picked me up and helped me, I would have thought he was taking me home and I couldn't go home yet. I had a lot of things I needed to still do here at Mortality. And so as an adult, 
I, I realized that I gained a confidence about me as the four-year-old because I was pretty, <laughs> to tell my dad no was pretty gutsy of a little four-year-old girl. But that experience helped me. It gave me some confidence and courage that helped me get through the things that were going to happen, you know, in the next couple of years, even after that happened. And, uh, you know, and, and there's just, if, if that helps any, and I, there's, there's another thing that, um, when I was 18, I was in what I call a torture chamber and it was hideous, but that got so overwhelming that I did have a near-death experience and I got to choose if I wanted to come back to earth and I begged to come back because I needed to still have my children and I had promised others that I would be here for them and um yeah it's been a rough ride that experience was not a, a happy one for me when I first remembered it um years later but as I have understood it more and more it becomes my catalyst of why I'm here and and that um there are a lot of people that need encouragement to know that yes our heavenly parents and I'm talking mother is so involved in our lives it's amazing and Jesus Christ and our father in heaven and mother in heaven are real and they are true and they know exactly what's going on and they are here and they are helping and they are, they know, they know our struggles, but they also know that we're going to win. We're going to be okay. And our children are too, but boy, that's a hard one. It's a really hard one while we're here. That good will triumph over evil. It will. That our Savior is more powerful than Satan. Even if our earthly experiences feel like hell. That's one thing that I have often said. And thank you so much for sharing such sacred experiences. I really appreciate it. Is that hell is now. (laughs) It's never going to get worse than this. And (laughs) we are experiencing it. I love that, man. That is so awesome. You are right. And yes, hell can get hellishier and hellishier. You know, it can get worse and worse, it seems. But you're right. And and even now, especially in this these last days, you know, Satan is rampant. But that's why we are here. That's why you're here and doing this incredible work. That's why we're here to touch lives and say, sisters, keep going forward you you're doing an incredible work and and don't give up get discouraged you know and throw your hands up at times but keep reaching out to us who are here to say keep going it's worth it however it works out it's going to be okay i just keep hanging on to my covenants because i know they're real and i know they're true I just want you and all the other incredible sisters to know that they are here for a reason now. And you are good enough. And you are going to make it. And, you know, when you're in the middle of it, just keep getting up every day. And just keep moving forward. 
just keep moving forward, even though you don't know where you're at half the time, <laughs> you know, just keep moving forward and it, it will work out. It doesn't work out the way we think it's going to a lot of times, but it will work out. Anna and I um, spent some time together crying after this. Uh, I actually stopped recording because it just got really intense emotionally. So as I've been doing this for so long, you know, talking about pornography, it, it seems so to some people like, why is she so obsessed with pornography? I'm a porn addict, apparently, right? Uh, I'm kidding. Anyway, it's because it's evil. It's because it is the epitome of evil and wickedness. It's harmful to our souls. And it's harmful to anybody who uses it. The darkness that surrounds it is so dark and so harmful. And sisters, I just want you to be able to feel the fruits of your own righteousness, of your own good choices. When you're married to someone who uses pornography and they're continually emotionally and psychologically abusing you, it's very difficult to feel the fruits of your own good choices. That is why God wants us to separate from wickedness. In whatever way it's going to be safe for us. We cannot force someone to repent if they want to repent, they will, but we can get to emotional and psychological safety. If this podcast is helpful to you, please help us reach other women by following or subscribing and giving us a five-star rating. Thank you for helping other women find us. If you've already purchased a copy of my book, Trauma Mama, Husband Drama, please circle back and give it a five-star rating. A lot of women are searching for books about betrayal trauma on Amazon and rating Trauma Mama will help them find this podcast, which is free to everyone. Your donations keep this podcast going. Go to our website, btr.org, scroll to the bottom, click on support the BTR podcast. And until next week, stay safe out there 